But we're going to have a good time, and, and uh, we just minister the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit just confirm that, and we'll just believe God with you. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for this time that we have together. Holy Spirit, we ask that you grant to us the utterances that we need. Lord, we thank you for opening the hearts and minds of every individual, that we might see the truth that you have for us. Lord, we place demand upon the anointing of God, and we believe the anointing comes in and upon us now to destroy every yoke, roll every burden away. Lord, we believe that we receive the very truth of the Word of God imparted into our hearts and minds that will change us and transform us. And Lord, we'll thank you in advance, for we believe that you will work with us and confirm your Word through mighty signs and wonders, and we'll give you glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Or I always say this too, a lot of the folks use iPads, iPhones, and Bible apps. Praise God. So I always tell everybody, use the instrument of your scripture. Hallelujah. Amen. But in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul here, it's amazing. He starts off in this, this chapter and he talks about that, that, that we were all dead in our trespasses. And he talks about how the prince of the power there, the enemy, the devil, had rule of our lives. He actually ruled our conduct, our nature. But God, in his rich mercy and grace and love for us, sent Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross so we could be saved. Amen? And he says that we're in verse 8. He gets down there, and he says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, not of our own efforts, not because we merited it, because... You know, we could never get good enough or do enough to get saved. But thank God Jesus saved us. And, and then he said in verse 10 that we're now God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Isn't that right? So I'm God's workmanship. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, the revelation of God, takes me from being a servant to sin and, and under the, the, the minion of Satan to being the righteousness of God and the work of God and the creation of God. Amen brings us over into the revelation of, of what God has for us. And then he gets down here in verse 19, and he says, Now therefore, after, after teaching all of that, bringing us through the, the steps and the process of God, bringing us out of sin into righteousness, bringing us out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God, bringing us from a place where we were dominated not only in our heart but in our actions by the devil, now he brings us over and says, Now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. Look at that. We're fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. We are now in God's kingdom. You know, he wrote in Colossians chapter 1, he said over there in verses 12 through 14, he said, giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life, who has already done it, delivered us from the power, the rule, the authority of darkness, and has conveyed us over into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen? Aren't you glad God reached down and took you out of sin and brought you over into His kingdom? Amen? Reached down and took you out of all the mess that you were in, changed everything about you, and, and, and translated, conveyed. You know, uh, whenever I was younger, they had conveyor belts in some of the places we would work. And you would, you know, you would take if you wanted to, you know, sometimes there were walls between the different departments. And, and so, you know, they had a belt. And you would put on that conveyor belt what you had, and it would just take it through, and there would be an opening in the wall, and it would take it to the other side so they could work on stuff. Amen? So it took it from one place to another. Amen? And so God is saying, you couldn't get from where you were to where you need to be, so I came down and just put you on my own shoulders and took you across. Amen? 
And I brought you, and now we're fellow citizens with the saints. Now we're partakers of the inheritance of the saints of God. Now we are, we are in fellowship with God. Amen? But now look over in Romans, the uh, eighth chapter. Romans talks over here in Romans. Paul is writing here, and he tells us some things. But to, to get the full force and full scope of Romans chapter 8, you really need to understand what he's talking about from chapter 7. And if you remember reading in chapter 7, Paul talks about up there, he says, you know, he says, there's something amazing. I'll just paraphrase for you. He says, I have this will. I have this desire to do what's right. But I end up doing what's wrong. And I have this real desire not to lose my temper, but I lose my temper. You know, anybody here can relate to that. I mean, you know, but now wait a minute, wait a minute. He's already said we've been put into the kingdom of God and we're fellow citizens with the saints of God. And you know, well, Paul, somebody says, well, Paul's writing to sinners. No, Romans chapter 1 verse 7 says to the, the saints and faithful that are in Christ Jesus that are in Rome. So he's writing to Christians. So isn't it amazing that even after you get saved, sometimes you still have a battle of doing the right thing? Or is that just me? Am I the only one? After, you know, no, no. But Paul, he... <laughs> He talks about, you know, I, I, I delight after God. Next thing you know, I'm losing my temper. You know, have you ever done that? I'm not going to let that person bother me again. The next time you get with them, you're in a fight. And you walk off going, man, I can't believe I let them get to me. Okay, well, Paul is, is dealing with that. And he's writing to Christians because he, just because you got saved doesn't mean you, be, you was made perfect. And just because Jesus came in your heart doesn't mean you got everything in order. It doesn't mean there's not a place for you to grow. See, see a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of people don't understand. You, you, you have to be born again and experience the new birth of Christ, but then you have to learn how to operate in that new birth. Amen. We need to learn how to function in the kingdom of God. We need to learn how to walk in what God has done for us. A lot of Christians think that coming to the altar is, is the, the end run. I mean, you know, praise God, I went up and got saved. Everything's fine now. No, it's not. You're qualified to go to heaven. You're qualified to partake of the inheritance. You're qualified to use the name of Jesus. You're qualified to walk in the blessings of heaven. But you know what? You're still going to have to grow into it. You're going to have to learn how to do this. Amen. Paul was writing to the Philippians, and he said over there, he said this. He said, I've learned how to be abased and humbled, and I've learned how to abound and be a walking glory. You know, he, he, notice if you read that in, in Philippians, he says, I've learned. See, you, know, you and I need to have learn. We need to learn how to deal with things. Amen? And so Paul is telling us here, he said, you know, in chapter 7, he said, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. Then in verse 18, he says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Everybody say in my flesh. Notice whenever he, he, he starts uh, looking at this and examining, he says, now where is the real problem? Is the problem in my heart? No, my heart's been changed. Where's the problem? The problem's in my flesh. How many of you found out after you got born again you still had the same flesh? Amen. Huh? Still had some of the same reactions trying to operate in your flesh. Amen. You do that to me, I'll do it to you. Only I'll double up and catch you when you're not looking. Amen. No, your flesh still wants to get back in. Your flesh still wants. So Paul says, in my flesh there is no good thing. Okay. Then he gets down here in, in uh, verse 24. And listen to what he says. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? 
Look at that. And now he's, he's writing to Christians. And he's telling Christians, he's saying, you know, in your flesh there dwells no good thing. Who's going to deliver you from that body, that fleshly body that's full of death and full of aggravation and, and wanting to do the wrong thing? He tells you in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what's that mean? That means not only is the Lord going to save you from your sins, he's going to save you from yourself. Come on, I'm going to say it to you again. Jesus will not only save you from your sins, he'll save you from yourself. He'll help you to get control over your flesh and walk in victory after you're born again. Amen? And see, God, that, that's really what the world's looking for. The world's looking for people that are being transformed and they're actually living the Christian life. They're actually walking in it and it's working for them, praise God. And so Paul says, how am I going to get delivered out of reacting wrong all the time? How am I going to get delivered by being dominated by wrong impulses? He says, thank God Jesus Christ is going to deliver me from this body of death. I have to look to the Lord not only to save me, but the Lord to change me. Amen? Now, he goes in chapter 8 then where I wanted to get to, and he says in verse 1, there is therefore now, thank God right now. Aren't you glad? Not when we get to heaven, but right now. Amen? There is therefore now. What is there therefore now, Paul? No more condemnation. Hallelujah. Amen. See, a lot of people say, well, I'm just condemned by my action. Well, it's your own heart condemning you because God doesn't condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you, but the Holy Spirit does not condemn you. See, John wrote and said, if our, if our heart condemns us, so it's my own heart that condemns me, First John 3. He said, but if my heart doesn't condemn me, then I've got confidence. Amen. So, but the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit leads. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides. But he doesn't condemn. Your own heart tells you when you're wrong. Amen. So he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Notice that. He says, if you get into Christ Jesus, if you make Jesus your Lord, God brings you into a place where there's no more condemnation. But let's read the rest of the verse. He says this. Who do not walk according to the flesh. Uh-oh, he's talking about the flesh again. But according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirements of God, of the law, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So what's he saying? Paul is saying this. He's saying the reason you're having a struggle is this. You're still living in the flesh. You're letting the past life dominate you. You're letting wrong thoughts dominate you. You're letting carnality dominate you. You're letting people determine how you're going to live. But Jesus will set you free from that. How do you get set free from that? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What's the law of the spirit of life? The word of God. The new covenant. Walking in who you are in Christ right now. Amen. And so he says, when you enter into Jesus Christ, the Lord, through his own works, because God looked down and saw your weakness, saw you couldn't overcome it yourself, he sent Jesus to do it for you. And so Jesus died for your sins that the righteous requirements of the law could be fulfilled in you. In other words, you could move out of sin nature into righteousness. Amen? But here is the key. Verses 1 and verse 4 says that this law, the spirit of life, this no condemnation, this righteousness, this victory doesn't work for those who are all the time living in the flesh. Who's it work for? Those who are living in the spirit, praise God. 
Meaning what? Those who began to identify themselves with the new creation and not the old creation. See, living in the Spirit is recognizing and, 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 and affirming in your heart, I'm not an old sinner. I've been saved and Jesus is now my Lord. I no longer associate my life with my past. I now associate my life with who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. See, walking in the flesh is you condemning yourself for all your mistakes, all your past, never thinking you're worthy, never thinking you're good enough, letting the devil tell you that you can't ever amount to anything because of you and how you've done things. But you see, when you come to Jesus Christ, he says, now you need to get out of the flesh because your flesh will keep telling you that you're under condemnation because the devil operates through the flesh. Amen. Satan operates through your insecurities. Satan operates through wrong thoughts hitting your mind and manifesting in your life. And so Jesus says, here's the thing you've got to do. You've got to understand that God looked and saw that you could not fulfill the law yourself. You could never get good enough yourself. So Jesus came and fulfilled it for you, praise God. Because the place that you were weak in was your flesh. Because you were going to just get up that morning and, and absolutely, I'm not going to tell a lie today. And the first person you got to, you told a lie to. And that person I work with, I'm going to treat them nice today. And you came walking in and they did something that aggravated you and you were in a fight right with them. And so your flesh was weak. And God says you will never walk in victory if you're going to try to let your flesh be strong. So he says who is going to walk in this victory? Who's going to be overcomers? Who is going to experience the citizenship and the blessing of it? Those who learn to identify themselves in Christ. Those who learn to recognize I am not an old sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I got saved by grace, and now I'm a child of God. See, a lot of the church today is living. You know, we come in the church, but we're still living in the attitude that we had before we came to church. We still think, I'm unworthy. I can't do it. Boy, if, just, you know, if I could just get somebody that's real spiritual to pray for me, they'd, you know, it'd work for me. Well, you're spiritual, praise God. See, you're an overcomer. God has made you a new creation. Amen. You're victorious. You're righteous. Hallelujah. See, the righteousness of God is now to operate in you and me. But what the devil does is he doesn't want you to know that. See, Satan will fight you to keep you from getting saved. Then once you get saved, he realizes he can't stop you from going to heaven. He'll try to ruin your trip. Amen. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, they can't stop you from having your two weeks vacation so it rains every day, you know. And so that's the way a lot of Christians are. They get saved and they're all excited in the altar. And before they can get home, the devil's hitting them and, and they're struggling. And, and all their life is a struggle and, and they feel condemnation. I don't know about you. I was raised, you know, uh, and I guess our theme was the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because I was taught if it was good, God did it. If it was bad, God did it. Amen. That's why I was taught. Uh, you know, you get sick, well, the Lord's teaching you something. I remember when I, I was a junior in college, and uh, I was working there in the church and going to school. And um, we had a, a week of vacation Bible school. And, and so uh, I, I said, well, I'll help out. I worked with the youth, but I said, I'll help with that. And so I did Monday, and we had a great, and then I got sick, and I was sick for the next six days, in bed sick. 
And they said, well, you know, just pray and just let the Lord work with you. He's teaching you something. I said, he's about to kill me because I don't learn this real quick. <laughs> Amen. I'm about to die before I learn the lesson here. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just a wonderful day in my life. I, I heard, uh, you know, I was, I, I was listening to Brother Hagin speak. And he got to teaching on John about Jesus being the good shepherd there in the 10th chapter. And he got down to the verse 10 and he said, and the Lord said, you know, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I looked at that and I thought, wait a minute. That's the first time I ever heard it was the devil causing problems. See, I thought God got up one day and he was on the good side of the throne. And he'd move you ahead a couple of steps Next day, he'd wake up on the wrong side of the throne and get mad at you and bump you back about three steps. So it was, you never gained any ground. You just went forward and you went back. You went forward and you went back and, you know, never think you could get ahead. Like one brother said, you know, don't ever think you're ever going to be rich. You can't be rich and be righteous, so you're going to have to be poor and beat down. In fact, I, I, I was 20 years old, and, uh, you know, when, when we got involved in the church there, and uh, my commitment was this. I said, Lord, be my luck. I'll probably live to be 70 or 80 years old. That means for the next 50 to 60 years, I'm going to have to go to church. I'm going to have to listen to those awful preaching sermons. I'm going to have to listen, sing all those awful songs. I'm going to have to get around all those awful people that complain all the time. And I ain't never going to have any money, so I might, I might as well drop out of school now because they know you're having a degree because if I get any money, they'll think there's something wrong with me. But just to get to heaven, it'll be worth it. I'll put up with all that just to get to heaven. Praise God. I mean, I was really in love with Jesus put up with all that because I figured, you know, 60 years of putting up with that wasn't anything compared to eternity. But you know what? Then I got into the Word, hallelujah, and found me somebody that knew something about it and found out that, no, God wanted me blessed. God wanted me to be an overcomer. God wanted me to, 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 to walk in victory. In fact, it wasn't God that was putting all that on me. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. See, John 10.10 10 is your measuring stick for everything in the Bible and everything that works in your life. If it steals, kills, and destroys, it's not from God. So you just stand against that. If it brings life and life more abundant, that's from God. Hallelujah. And so here the Lord says the way you get over into the life of this thing is this works for those who walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. This is for those who identify themselves in their new life in Christ, not in their old life in sin. Hallelujah. And the hardest thing you may ever find in your life is changing that thing between your ears and to think right and to begin to see yourself as the righteousness of God and not see yourself as insecure, not see yourself as unworthy, not see yourself as a loser, not see yourself as somebody that can't do anything. Quit seeing yourself as somebody that's, you know, condemned all the time and I wish I was as good as that person or whatever. No, you've got to get rid of all of that because that's your flesh from the past trying to dominate you and ruin your trip to heaven. Hallelujah. So God says you have to renew yourself and begin to identify yourself as a citizen and a fellow citizen. That means what? A joint heir with all the people of God to the things of God. Hallelujah. Now, how am I going to do that? Well, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. We'll read verses 14 on down. 
I want to read to you first out of this New King James. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. Glory to God. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ urges us. Hallelujah. What's the love of Christ compelling me to do? What's the, 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 the love of Christ urging me to do? It says right here, for the love of Christ is urging and compelling me and constraining me and, and pushing me because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What's he saying? He's saying that God in his love for you is compelling you to enter into who you are now in Christ and move out of who you were in sin. Notice that God is not coming in, beating you into this new life. God is compelling you. Right now, I'm teaching to you, and if you're listening and hearing, the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you, and God's love is reaching down and compelling you to say, receive this. You don't have to let the devil tell you you're a loser any longer. You don't have to live in defeat any longer. You don't have to walk around here feeling like you can't get anything done here. And no, it's not God who's holding you back. It's not God who's stopping you from prospering. God loves you. And the love of God is compelling you right now to say, wait a minute. Jesus died for me. And if Jesus died for all, then I died in Christ. I don't have to die to this thing. I had a situation come up, and, and, and it was a real difficult. I mean, the devil will attack you in the ministry, you know, or in your life or in your home. Anybody ever been there? Sure. Nobody's exempt from a test or a trial. And so, therefore, you know, this, it, it got real heavy. And it was just going on. In fact, I ministered to another minister about this. He's going through some similar things. And, and I, said, I said, I'll tell you what I did. He said, what? I said, you know, after uh, feeling sorry for myself for about a week and complaining to God, telling him I didn't deserve this, I finally straightened up and looked around and realized I'm not getting anywhere quick acting like the flesh, so I better go ahead and find out what God wants to do in this thing. So I got in the Word, put the thing over on the Lord, realized I died with Christ, and, and I've been raised up from the dead with Him, and I don't reckon myself to be in sin anymore. I reckon myself to be alive in Christ. Amen? And so, therefore, here's what I did. I just went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to die for this. You already died, so I could be free from this. And I can't make it turn around. I don't have the strength that you do. So I cast the whole of this care over on you. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to praise you every day and act like it's in your hands and you got her taken care of. Hallelujah. You know what's amazing? In 30 days, it was all turned around. We were out of the red into the black and walking in victory again. Praise God. And I told this pastor, I said, how it happened to this day, I don't know how God did it, but he did it. Hallelujah. Because, you see, you know, you don't have to die for it. You've already died in Christ. And the love of Christ is compelling you to step out of the old life and step into the reality of who you are now in Christ Jesus. And walk in that. Amen? Now, who is this new person in Christ Jesus? Well, let's take a few moments and look at it. Look down here in verse 14. Well, let's look in verse, verse 13 first. He says this. Or, I'm sorry, verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, from the moment that you recognize that Jesus is your Lord and you've died in Christ, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. What's he saying? 
Remember John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, he said, That which we have seen and that which we have heard, that which our eyes have looked upon, our hands have handled the word of life. In other words, John is saying, we saw Jesus in the natural. We walked with him. I mean, you know, we touched him, we talked to him, we saw him. But now Paul is saying, we don't know the Lord anymore like we know each other. I can't know the Lord by reaching out and handing, you know, grabbing his hand or seeing his face. How do I know the Lord? I have to know him by faith, don't I? So he's saying this. We don't know the Lord in the flesh. We know him in the spirit. Isn't that right? He's the Lord. He's the king. He's, he's seated at the right hand of God for us right now, isn't he? And that's how we know him. Isn't that right? Now, here is what Paul is trying to get across. Just like we no longer know the Lord in the flesh, but we know him according to the Spirit, no longer know yourself according to the flesh, but know yourself according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen? Yeah, I'm still there. husband. I still live in a body, but I am a child of God. And I relate to the, my walk with a child of God more so than I do with my flesh. Amen? In my flesh, I'm limited, but in the Spirit, I'm unlimited. Hallelujah. And if I look at myself in the natural, and you know, you, you can do that. You, you can look at yourself and, and say, well, I'm getting older. Maybe I can't do that. Or, or maybe I don't have the degree. Or maybe I don't have this. And your flesh will limit you in everything you try to do. But if you start identifying and seeing yourself in the Spirit, all of a sudden, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loves us. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden that faith starts rising up and you can say, glory to God, nothing is impossible because I believe in God in me is bigger than the problem I'm facing. Amen. Why? Because it's not according to my might nor according to my power, but it's according to the spirit of the living God that's working on the inside of me. Amen. Remember what he said in Ephesians 3.20? That God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How? According to the power that's working in our head. No. According to the power that's working in our flesh. No. But according to the power that's working within us, in our spirit. Hallelujah. God is unlimited when we start living in the life that we have in him. Amen. Now, look what he says, verse 14, down through 16. He's telling us, get rid of the past, move into the new. And then he says in verse 17, here's what it is. Let's, let me read it to you in the Amplified. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away, and behold, the fresh and the new has come. Glory to God. What's he saying? He said, when you enter into Christ, you become a brand new person. Brand new creation. Look what he says here. He says, engrafted into Christ. I like that in the Amplified. Why is it? Well, you like it so much. Well, if you engraft something, you have to make a place for it. To engraft means to take something from a foreign object and put it in another. Amen? In other words, God didn't just randomly choose who's going to get saved. He engrafted us into Christ. That means he had a specific place put in Christ and put me there. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? God had a plan for your life in Christ before he ever knew you. That's how valuable he is. That's, it is to walk in him. So I've been engrafted, specifically put into Christ. God reached down and changed me and brought me into Christ. Amen? Then all the old moral, all the old junk passed away. And then he says, verse 18, But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? Somebody say amen. 
If you can't say, oh, me, but say something. Praise God. Amen. No, what's he saying? God reached down, reconciled. He did the work. Brought me into his favor. I have favor with God today. My definition of favor is God influencing the outcome. How many of you know if God is the influence of the outcome, we win? Amen. And then he says this. He brought us into harmony with God. A lot of times we don't understand harmony. I've done some singing in my life and different things. And, you know, they talk about harmonizing. To come into harmony means this. If you have a duet, what you do is you have two different people singing the same song, singing different parts. Isn't that right? One takes one part, the other one takes the other part, but when they sing, it's one sound. It's a harmonious sound. Isn't that right? Now, God did not come into harmony with my life. God changed my life and brought me into harmony with His. Hallelujah. See, I was off key singing sour notes while I was in sin. So Jesus came in and changed me and engrafted me and brought me in and gave me a part in the kingdom of God. And now my part with his part is a harmonious sound. We're all going in the same direction. Amen. And it becomes something that's joyful and something is wonderful to be a part of. And so God has brought me into harmony with him. God, I'm walking with God. Romans 5, 1 says now we have peace with God. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that you're at peace with God? Aren't you glad you're not at odds with God this morning? Aren't you glad that you're walking in harmony with God? Aren't you glad that you got favor, meaning you can go into the presence of God anytime and He's there? Hallelujah. Waiting on you. My, you know, I have six grandkids now, and, and every one of them do this. Uh, it, I, my office uh, there at the church, and, and I always have a candy drawer over in the little kitchenette I've got in my office there. And, and I've had it since my first grandson was born. And, and so we keep suckers and stuff like that. And, you know, it doesn't matter who's in there. You know, they'll come. And if my daughter comes up and visits and she's got her four, then here comes six of them. And they come busting in my office. Don't matter who's in there. I've sat in there before with five leaders and we're talking about something after service. And the door opens and here they come. And they wave. Hi, Papa. And go right on over. Get into the candy drawer. Then one night we was there, and my granddaughter came in and had three of her friends. She said, I'm getting them some candy, too. And they brought her friends in and got them candy. So even friends of my grandkids have favor. Hallelujah. But they have favor. They know that, that they, there's no limits with them. They have Papa's favor. Are you listening to me? You know what? It don't matter how busy God is. don't matter what's going on. His door is always open to you and me because we have favor with God. Amen. And there's nothing too big, nothing too great, nothing too small that he doesn't want to be involved in your life in. And he'll be there for you. Praise God. Now, look what else he says. Let's go on down and read a couple more. He says, verse 19, it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Woo, hallelujah. Just missed a good place to shout. Look what he said, not holding against men their trespasses, but has canceled them. Every wrong thing you ever did has been canceled. Hallelujah. It's gone. There's no condemnation now. There can't be any. Why? There's nothing to condemn you with. Amen. See, now, now in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Here in verse 19 is the first witness. He said, God has canceled your transgression, gotten rid of them, doesn't remember them. Amen. Isaiah 43, 25, what did he say over in the Old Testament? 
I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions and will not remember your sins for my own sake. Amen. God said he would not remember our sins. God says, I blot them out. I cancel them. There's two witnesses. Now, now just hold your spot there and look in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Just read this one. You need to mark this one down because this is your covenant today. Hebrews chapter 10. Drop down here to verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. After what days? After Jesus gives himself and sanctifies us. After he's raised from the dead, this is the covenant that God gives to you and me. What is that covenant, Lord? I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Yeah, but you know, I, I remember. Well, why? See, the only one that's really remembering your sins is the devil. So why would you hook up with him and remember what you did? I've, I've had people say this. Good Christians, spirit-filled Christians, love God Christians. And something go wrong in the family. They say, well, you know, maybe I'm just paying for some of my past mistakes because I lived such a bad life. And I've come to them and lovingly looked at them and said, no, no, no. God didn't just wipe away a few of your sins. He wiped away all of them. And he blotted them out, and he's not remembering them, and he's not holding them against you. No, that's not, you're not getting punished. There's nothing to be punished. It's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And God has set you free. No, that's the devil just trying to take advantage of you. Now submit yourself to God, resist him, and he'll leave you. Amen? Don't let the devil ruin your trip to heaven. Praise God. Enjoy the trip. How do I do that? By not living in condemnation all the time. Not feeling unworthy all the time. Not believing that my faith won't work all the time. And every time something comes up, maybe God's mad at me or maybe I don't deserve it or maybe I need to pray more. No, no, no. What you need to do is learn to walk in who you are in Christ. And what is that? Well, he goes on down to verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 and it says, For he, for our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin for us who knew no sin, that in and through him we might become endued with and viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You and I have been made righteous. Why? Because Jesus took our sins. He took our place. We died in Christ. And now according to this word, whether I feel like it or not, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have access to the throne room of God. I have access to the things of God. I'm a fellow citizen of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Meaning what? Everything in God's kingdom is available to you and me. Authority, the name of Jesus. I can pray. You know, the devil, he hates this message. He really does. He doesn't want you to learn this. He doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ because he understands what's going to happen when you get a hold of this. You ever read in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, what he says over there? He says, Therefore, they that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, see, you've got to receive it. What are they going to do? Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life as kings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, the devil doesn't want you to get a hold of this because he wants to rule over you. But once you get a hold of who you are in Christ and you get this reality in you, then you as the righteousness of God, you begin to reign in life. You begin to rule in life. 
Your faith begins to move mountains. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, it's fun, and I've been in services, and it is such fun watching, you know, ministries. I've been around some of the, some really anointed men of God, and they I've seen people get healed. I've seen them lay hands on people. I've seen them move, and the power of God's falling. But you know what? As much fun as that is, it is so much more fun when I get to lay hands on somebody and they get healed. I've watched, I've watched men, mighty men and women of God pray and get answers, and I rejoice with them. But I'm going to tell you what, it is nothing like when I pray and get answers. Because, you see, it's working for me now. See, the reason we teach this is this. A lot of times the devil comes along and says, well, you know, you can't do this because you're not an apostle or you're not a prophet or a teacher or a pastor. No, 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 you can't do this. You're not some big spiritual giant. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus said in Matthew or Mark chapter 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. Didn't say they follow preachers. Didn't say they follow, you know, the prophet says these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. What does that mean? They'll take authority over the devil and break his power. Hallelujah. They'll speak with new languages, new tongues. What's he talking about? They can walk in the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, what's that? If they drink any deadly thing or take up serpents. Well, that don't mean handle snakes or drink poison. Don't try it, okay? It just means divine protection on you when you're walking with God. And in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And it says, as they went out and preached this gospel and told people the good news, Jesus worked with them and confirmed his word. Why? Because they were operating in their right standing with God. They were just going out simple, everyday people like you and me who actually believed that what God said was real and walked in it. I want to tell you, you can change this whole city, you can change your home. You can change your life. You can change your destiny by hooking up and getting a hold of who you are in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. No, I'm not a special vessel, and I don't think more highly of myself than I ought because I understand that it is not my power and might that's doing it, but it is my right standing with God. It is what God did for me working in my life. Amen? So we're going to reign. We're going to quit being ruled over, and we're going to start ruling and reigning. We're going to believe God the next time we speak to a situation, it's going to listen to us and obey us. We're going to believe God the next time we pray, we're going to produce great power. Because James 5 says, what? That the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, verse 16, creates much power, brings forth great results. Hallelujah. So we're going to get powerful in prayer. We're getting powerful in faith. We're getting powerful in what we believe. And we're going to start walking in victory. And when the devil sticks his head up, we're just going to keep on walking and believing and standing and speaking the word and watch God do a mighty work in our lives. Amen? And the next time the devil comes along and says, you're not worthy, just look at him and laugh. Say, ha, ha, ha. So that's your opinion, devil. But your opinion and $2.07 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. But make sure you bring the $2.07. Because your opinion, devil, is not worth a cup of coffee. Hallelujah. Because I don't live by your opinion anymore. I live by what God says in his word. And it changes my life and I walk in the reality of it. Amen. And if you'll practice this and identify. See, quit identifying with your past and identify with who you are in Christ Jesus. See yourself in Christ. And victory is yours. Amen.